welcome to the Movie Journey Podcast, where we break down every film from the IMDb Top 250 list, giving our own thoughts and reviews and any general discussion along the way. My name is Daniel Henderson, and, and Dean, you stole my quip. You broke my heart. You broke my heart. <laughs> I know it was you. <laughs> and I'm Dean Jeffrey, and there's a reason they call me Superman. Oh, man. <laughs> was, was that your quip, Endo? <laughs> yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> And today we're breaking down the first half of Godfather Part 2. So, The Godfather Part 2, released in 1974, directed by Francis Ford Coppola from the screenplay written by himself and Mario Puzo, starring Al Pacino, Robert Duvall, Diane Keaton, Robert De Niro, Talia Shire, Morgana King, John Cazale, Mariana Hill, and Lee Strasberg. What about Michael V. Guzzo? That is the one I missed there, after looking at that credit list He was there. nominated for an Oscar for this, and you don't include him in the cast? As I got to the end of Lee Strasberg, God. I was like, oh, I forgot uh, the other guy who got nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Do you know what else you know Michael V. Gazzo from? No. Nah. He's Torelli in Last Action Hero. <laughs> Torelli. He's like the old, the boss. Oh, no, that's Anthony Quinn. Who's Torelli then? Torelli's probably his, his uh, late cousin who blows up in the house. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that one. Nice. Yeah, see, I knew more than you. I mean, I knew the name Torelli when I saw it. I was like, Torelli. Gee, that sounds familiar. Anyway, we got music by Nino Rota and cinematography by Gordon Willis yet again for this did, movie. Did you mention Bruno Kirby? I'm not going to go through the entire list of I mean, people this is in this a movie. Gr- this is a great cast, Hendo. I mean, I just, I just rattled off at least nine uh, actors and actresses here. I mean, surely, you know, what, do you want me to keep going to 15? I mean, no, 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 you're fine, you're fine. All right, so Francis Ford Coppola had a horrible time directing The Godfather, as we mentioned way back when we did our first half breakdown. He asked to pick a different director for the sequel and only to take the producer credit. Really? Do you know who he chose to direct this film? Uh, Spielberg. Scorsese. Oh, Scorsese. Yeah. Nice. Imagine a Scorsese Godfather Part 2. Would just be like an early Goodfellas? I mean, it would have to be, wouldn't it? It would just start off off with uh, Michael and Fredo just like stabbing some dude in the back of a trunk or something. (laughs) As far as I can remember, I always wanted to be a Corleone. As far back as I can remember, Fredo always broke my heart. (laughs) But But the film executives rejected that idea, so Coppola ended up uh, agreeing to direct the film, but with a few conditions. He had complete control of the movie. Go on. He was given a Mercedes-Benz limousine by Paramount Pictures. What? Mostly as a reward for the success of The Godfather. He wanted to have the sequel be interconnected with the first film, with the intention of later showing them together, that he'd be allowed to direct his own script for The Conversation, which came out that year as well, that he'd be allowed to direct a production for the San Francisco Opera, that he'd be allowed to write the screenplay for The Great Gatsby, which came out that year as well, and all prior to the production of the sequel for the Christmas 1974 release. Uh, He wanted a lot of stuff and he got it all. Why would you... I mean, he's just, like, wanting more work. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. What, I mean, he wanted to do all this stuff. That's what... That's artists. They want to do... They have all these dreams and they want to pursue all this stuff, so they want to just do it all. But he did it in such a short time frame. Yeah. Good on him. Hard worker. Jesus. So, production nearly ended before it began, when Al Pacino's lawyer told Francis Ford Coppola that he had grave misgivings with the script, didn't like the original script, and he wasn't going to show up to this movie. He decided he didn't want to be in this movie. I mean... That's ridiculous. Now, Coppola took it very seriously, though, so he spent an entire night rewriting the entire script. It took him one night, just just didn't go to sleep, just rewrote the whole script before giving it to Pacino, who took a look at it and said, all right, I'm in. What? How much could he change in one night? I mean, it's Coppola. I'm sure he changed a lot. This script would be enormous. Coppola did consider bringing back Marlon Brando to play Vito Corleone as the young man, convinced he could play it at any age, and considering that Brando was in old man makeup a couple of years prior, 
you know, you could bring the uh, the young the young Brando to the role. I guess you could. How old do you know roughly how old De Niro was in this? Nah, I don't. So what year did this come out? Seventy four. So it would have been shot in seventy three. In seventy three. And Robert De Niro was born in forty three. So he was thirty. What about Brando? Yeah, that's right, I'll get you to do work. So Brando was born in twenty four. Oh, so he's he's in he's fifty. He's forty nine at this point. Yeah, he's okay. He can't really play a young Vito. Nah, it's nah. it's hard to justify that. Yeah, but Coppola did remember De Niro from the you know exceptional performance he gave to in his audition for The Godfather, which landed him that small role that he uh, had to step out of. Mm. And also, he saw Mean Streets the year before and decided he's going to cast De Niro and didn't go. He didn't even end up offering the part to Brando. <laughs> he didn't offer it to him. Go, no, no, I take that back. <laughs> you yeah. want to do that? I bet. Uh, I bet Brando was upset at that. Yeah, I wonder when he would have found that out. I don't know. Decades probably. later. He wouldn't have, Coppola wouldn't have bought that info out for a long time. Yeah. So Robert De Niro lived in Sicily for three months during the filming, well, basically before the movie started. He spent four months learning to speak the Sicilian language in order to play Vito Corleone. Nearly all the dialogue that this character speaks was Sicilian, basically. I think I saw he, like, I think it's seven to, it's either seven or 12 words in this movie he speaks as English. Really? Yeah. I thought it was slightly more. There's a couple of sentences, isn't there? Uh, I think from the I, I didn't put down the trivia, but I swear it said either the word number seven or the number twelve. Maybe it was seven sentences. Nah, that wouldn't be that uh, trivia worthy, would it? I think it would. I mean, most of his dialogue is Italian. It's insane that he didn't speak Italian before this. I did mention Marlon Brando before. He was scheduled to return for a cameo in the flashback at the end of the film, mm. but because the way Paramount Pictures treated him during the first Godfather, he didn't show up for a shooting on the day the scene was filmed. So Francis Ford Coppola rewrote the scene without Vito, and it was filmed the next day. I mean, would it have been better with Brando there? Yes. <laughs> you couldn't even think to cast me as Vito again. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, it, it was. I mean, it's fine how it is. It's fine how it yeah. ends. But man, seeing seeing Brando again would have been epic. Imagine that, like a big big reveal at the end of the movie, like what? Oh, what? Brando yeah. back? Godfather Part Three? Here we come. <laughs> <laughs> So, filming was delayed for a month after Al Pacino developed pneumonia on location in Santo Domingo. It's unfortunate. Yeah, never good. Lee Strasberg, who played Hyman Roth, became ill during shooting, but instead of delaying the production, Roth's character was rewritten to be an ailing old man. Do you mean, a, like, just an ailing man? I'm sure he was already written as an old man. No, no, during the production, he became an old man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's actually him with old man makeup on. He's actually 35. <laughs> so, Talia Shire was only paid $1,500 in the first Godfather movie to yep. play Connie, and for this movie, she received $30,000 with a $10,000 bonus when the box office uh, hit more than $27 million, which it did. Oh, it's good for her. Yeah, nice big pay increase there. She's not in it much. No, she's not. Especially in, in this first half here, she's in it for a scene. Yes, yeah. uh, definitely Oscar-worthy, uh, nominee-worthy, would you say, Hendo? I mean, I still think she's better in Rocky. I mean, she's better in the first Godfather. Was she nominated in the first Godfather? Do you remember? No. 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 Hmm. So Al Pacino caused problems throughout this production, demanding really? a massive salary and heavy script rewrites. Obviously, the biggest one was at the start when he told Coppola to basically rewrite the whole script. He frequently complained about Francis Ford Coppola's slow pace, basically yelling, Serpico took 19 days. What is going on? I've never seen Serpico. I think we've already had this discussion where I keep uh, mistaking Serpico for... Carlito's way for some reason. Probably because Pacino with the bushy beard. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Um, I mean, the script rewrites, he needs to get over himself. The massive pay increase, yeah, deserved. Godfather Part 1 was huge. Yeah. And he's now... He is... Well, he... Well, he was. But now yeah. he's a known star. Yeah. He should deserve the pay rise. 
So a test screening for this film garnered negative reactions from the audience. They found cutting back and forth between Michael and young Vito confusing and bothersome. Francis Ford Coppola and his editors decided to decrease the frequency of the transition in order to make the parallel stories easier to follow. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, this movie, I know like I know the transitions are there, but yeah, they're very far and few between in this movie compared to, imagine imagine what it would have been like. Like it would have been like every 10 minutes going back and forth. I mean, are we like part one of this movie? Is there only one Vito scene? One, like one De Niro Vito scene. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's, yeah. I think we get the- it's crazy. We get super young Vito, Michael, Vito, Michael. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. Which is good. Oh, it's great, but like- See, I wasn't sure going into this. I, I I mean, it's not, I wasn't sure. I actually thought De Niro won Best Actor, not Best Supporting Actor for this. Okay. And then I'm watching and I'm like, man, I I swear Vito was in it more. Like, where is De Niro? And then, yeah, I looked it up, man. It was just supporting. Yes, it was. This had a budget of $13 million. Was not as successful as the original Godfather, nowhere near close after it got re-released twice more throughout its uh, cinematic release, I guess. The box office hit $88 million. It was Paramount Pictures' highest grossing film of 1974 and the seventh highest grossing film in America that year. That's odd, isn't it? Because surely it would have got very, very high reviews. The people who saw The Godfather clearly loved it. Yeah. Why wouldn't they go back? I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that one. Is it? I mean, it's a bit longer, but it's not... It doesn't have the massive cast like the first one did. You're missing your Brando. You're missing your James Caan. Well, James Caan wasn't a big actor there, but you're missing Brando for sure. Like, he was a, a big pull power there. And De Niro is very, very new still. I mean, you got Pacino there too, but yeah, a bit baffling why Godfather Part Two didn't rake it in as much. Because it is still considered like one of the, obviously the greatest films of all time. It is rivaling The Godfather. It's, you know, it, all the all the accolades we gave The Godfather yeah. uh, the other two weeks ago are the same here. You know, it's pr- it's preserved in the Library of Congress, et cetera, et cetera. It's high up on all these big lists. Yep. Obviously, IMDb, AFI, ev- all of them. They're, and it's yeah, a bit baffling. They didn't make as much money. Yeah. But it's got 11 Academy Award nominations that year. It didn't win five of them, which were Best Costume Design, which it lost to The Great Gatsby. Talia Shire lost Best Supporting Actress to Ingrid Bergman in Murder in the Orient Express. Nice. And Michael V. Gazzo and Lee Strasberg both lost supporting actor nominations to Mr. Robert De Niro for The Godfather Part 2. Fair enough. Also, Al Pacino lost Best Actor that year, as did, I believe, Jack Nicholson in Chinatown, also lost that year, to Art Carney in Harry and Tonto. <laughs> okay, I've never heard of the person or the movie. But this did win six Academy Awards that year. It won Best Original Dramatic Score. Which is funny because although Nino Rota's score for The Godfather was withdrawn, like we said, uh, because it was reused from the same theme as a previous score for the movie Fortunella, he was still awarded for the Oscar for Best Original Score for this movie, even though it used the same love theme from the first film. Yeah, but there is definitely a difference to the score in this compared to the first Godfather. Oh, absolutely. That's why, you know, I think a majority of they've probably gone, even though there is a small chunk of the original one in yeah. there, the, the majority of it is new. So, yeah, yeah, here you go. Fantastic score again. Oh, absolutely. It also won Best Art Decoration in the set decoration category it won best adapted screenplay which is interesting because francis ford coppola and mario puzzo won the oscar for best adapted screenplay even though half of the script was adapted and half was original because the story of michael corleone is original while the story of young Vito came from the godfather novel but was not used in the first film obviously but the wga rules decree that any screenplay for a sequel is a screenplay adapted from another source so that's how they got that through nice good for them francis ford coppola won best director which he didn't on the first one no i think he lost to uh, cabaret Ah. And, of course, Robert De Niro won Best Actor. And, of course, it won Best Picture, the first sequel to win Best Picture. Yeah, and the only sequel until uh, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. Do you count Silence of the Lambs after Manhunter? I mean, I've never seen Manhunter. I mean, apparently it's supposed to be a sequel to that film, so... 
I don't know. All new cast, all new crew. Yeah. See, that's the thing. You want, if you're going to do a sequel to a film, you've got to have some sort of connection. connection. Yeah. yeah. Sounds more like a reboot rather than a sequel. Either way. Yeah. But let's take a look at the history of The Godfather Part 2 in the IMDb Top 250 list. This, of course, debuted into the very first list on the 26th of April 1996 at number 70. Nice. And then by mid-2002, it had vaulted all the way up to number 3. It basically stays in the number three spot for its entirety of its runtime there, with three separate times where it drops down to number four briefly. Was with the, the last time being the Dark Knight. Yeah, no, two thousand and eight definitely was a, a one where it dropped, and I can't remember what was earlier before that. But the last time it dropped to four and then back up to three was mid two thousand and ten, and it has stayed at number three ever since, with a with a nine point zero over one point one million votes. Nice. But I don't think it's going to be any surprise what we think of this film, considering how much we gushed all over the first one. Unless, of course, we just think this is just an absolute pile of crap compared to the first one. And you never know. Oh, come on, (laughs) Dean. All right, Dean. Let's get into The Godfather Part 2. So we essentially start off where we left off. But everyone kissing Michael's hand here. Yeah. But Don Corleone. What's the significance of the leather cushion slowly reforming? This is, I mean, I think it's just focusing on the chair. This is the Godfather chair. And it's, it kind of feels like the, I guess if you're saying the cushion slowly come back out, it's him just rising from the chair. Like he's just got out of this chair. Is there any significance to him leaving the chair, him falling? Well, maybe because we're seeing it sort of from Kay's perspective immediately, aren't we? Are we? I think we're in the room now. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Do they just really linger on that chair? Well, the, the chair is a, is, a, is a sign of power. Yeah, okay. But we don't need to talk about any of the uh, current time at this point because we're going all the way back to Vito Andolini. Andolini. That's right. That was a good touch. Uh, of Corleone in Sicily. That's right. He's our poor father who was murdered by the uh, local head honcho. Chieftain. I like that word. The, <laughs> the local mafia chieftain. I mean, yeah, I, was, I, was, I forgot about this wall of text we had to read when the movie started. I was like, oh, shit. Pause. <laughs> Yeah, so it's his older brother, Paolo, that uh, runs off to get revenge. Yeah. Any uh, similarities there with Sonny, you think? Or is it just because he's older? He feels like the, he what, has the to. The older brother wants to, is the hothead and goes yeah. immediately off to yeah. seek revenge for the death of his father. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, yeah, it's it's the uh, the Corleone slash Andolini way. Yeah, I think we can settle with Corleone. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I, like, I like how it's like uh, Vito is uh, now the only male heir at the funeral. He was nine. It's like, oh, poor guy. Poor bloke. Start him early here. Because as they're going through the funeral, which looks great, by the way, through these rocks, bang, gunshot goes off. And you wonder what the hell's going on. Like, has someone been shot who's holding the coffin? Everyone ducks yeah, I and thought, hides. Yeah, I thought people were shooting the, pro- the procession. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's funny because I didn't have subtitles on at this point. How, I mean, you should know to have subtitles on this movie. You know, okay. you know the majority I'll, I'll... of the veto portion will be set in, you know, there's going to... In where? In where? In Italy? <laughs> He's going to be speaking a lot of Italian. Yeah, but I didn't realize the subtitles weren't on. Okay. Uh, I thought it would be one of those like hard-coded ones. Yeah. yeah. So I've got like people screaming in the thing, but I thought they were just like general ladies wailing, yeah. not actually speaking. So I saw this scene and then we get to the next scene where the mother is like talking to the chieftain and I was like, no, 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 I'm missing out here. So, <laughs> so I put subtitles on and I thought, oh, I may as well go back you have to. and read, just check, just make sure that there wasn't anything being said. And then it's like, oh, they've killed Paolo. I was like, holy shit. I thought that Imagine was just you... I thought that was just some random kid. Imagine if he came in tonight like, yeah, some random kid dies. I'm like, what? I mean, literally my notes were random kid is dead. You go, you wait till uh 
It gets to when Vito's heading off to New York and he you start typing, the fuck's Paolo? Yeah. <laughs> is, he coming late? Paolo? is it a twist? Is he going to rock up in New York? <laughs> is he in part three? <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, but the mum does go to see Don Chicho. Chicho. Yeah. I mean, yeah. good for her. She's doing the right thing. Yeah, I mean, she's trying to save her last boy here. Yeah, she's kissing the hand. Yeah. She's showing the respect. But again, kudos to Chicho for, you know, for, yeah, this guy, will he's fine now. He's a kid, but he will want to kill me. Like, wh- why wouldn't you just kill him? Why doesn't he just kill him, though? He's talking about, yeah, I'm going to have to do it, though. Like, why doesn't he just say, right, instead of just instead of saying something, just, go, just do it? Because they're civilized. Oh, they're civilized about murder. Sorry, like, yes. I am going to have to murder you, kid. Have you not seen these Godfather films? They're very civilized about murders. It's business endo. It's this not one, like this, a, one, this one kind of felt like uh, personal after this the the younger or the other brother tried to seek revenge. Who? Paolo. Paolo. He wasn't seeking. I mean, he vowed to seek re- revenge. Yeah. He just wanted to watch the funeral, which is how they got him. What do you think he was doing prior to that? Hiding or actually looking to seek revenge? Both hiding whilst coming up with a plan. But then he could not resist the urge to watch his father's funeral. Chichio obviously, you know, saw that coming. Had some guys there. Not as smart as old Vito. Do you think she's playing up? I, I definitely think she's playing up that. Look, he's a, he's a stupid boy. He's he's not he's he's not smart. Leave I mean, alone. she says he's he doesn't. A simple boy. She says he doesn't speak. He definitely does. I mean, he doesn't speak for ages. I think after his mum dies, he doesn't really want to speak to anyone. Like, is was it, he is speaking it? before this? It's not. There hasn't been enough time. Like, yeah. It, so he hasn't spoken. He doesn't speak. And when he's getting asked for his details in New York. He stays mute. But he's not a... She calls him a simple kid. Like, he's simply... There's, he's not that smart. He hasn't gotten to brains. Like, Vito is a smart man. He's nine. I think she's saying it to try and convince Chichio to not murder this innocent, simple boy. Maybe she just thinks he's an idiot. He's no Paolo. No, I definitely think she's playing it up. But when she realizes that's not going to be the way, she pulls the big knife out, manages to get to Chichio. I don't know how that happened. Yeah, I mean, these bodyguards are terrible. Like, yeah. I know she's a, you know, middle-aged woman, but you need to be better than that. Like, she could, she could have killed him here. Yeah. She should have... Like, what? She was never going to be able to hold him hostage. Like, she should have just killed him. Like, yeah, yeah she was going to get loses, killed. But, but, killing, but killing him here, was that was that solved? They kill her and they immediately kill Vito. She's using this as a... As a Way as to a buy to, seconds. To get him out of there. Yeah. But she she poorly just continues to look at Vito rather than eyeball all the guards, yeah. which gets her in trouble. And, and they blow a shotgun through her. Yeah, the shotgun. How good with that? They do the whole, you know, pull on the rope thing. So she gets flying back. That's how they did that trick. Oh, really? Yeah, she's attached I to her. I thought they rope. actually shot her. No, no, they definitely didn't. <laughs> Yeah, it looks really good. And then you got this sequence here, you know, it's nighttime on the streets and people are yelling and they're like, it'll be better for you if you tell us. And the kid, probably not. <laughs> yeah, how does that benefit the kid? Yeah, but no, he's, you know, he gets put in, what, this basket here and yeah, just shipped off. Yep, off he You goes. could say he's a bastard in a basket. No? No. Wow, I was expecting more of a reaction there, Hendo. No, no, but he makes it to America. Which, again, he's nine. Like, I have a nine-year-old son. This is insane. I think it's a bit different now. What do you mean? I think it, 1901 compared to 2021, I think it's a little bit different these days. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's a hot take, Hendo. I don't think that's a hot take yeah, at I'm all. Yeah, I'm being sarcastic. Obviously, it's incredibly cold, my obvi- friend. Obviously, it's much it's, like this weather today. <laughs> obviously, it's different. Wow, a weather reference. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. it's, it's different. It's winter here, by the way. He's still nine years old, being shipped off to another country, and he knows no one. 
I, I mean, I think when he gets there and they all start gest- gesturing him through, they put the uh, the X on him. I thought he had like some sort of uh, sickness or disease that he got off the boat. So, yep, he's got this. Yeah, he does. What Which he is have? why they put him in quarantine for three months, Hendo. Well, there you go. That's what made, that's what, it makes perfect sense then. I must have missed that. They literally say he has smallpox. <laughs> that's right, they do. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. I two lines down my note, smallpox, three months quarantine. What are you... Okay. No, I must have been distracted by this part where he gets his name Vito Corleone, where they're like, what's your name? Vito from Andalini. V- Vito Andalini from Corleone. All right, Vito Corleone. I'm like, just like Han Solo from that goddamn movie. <laughs> but seriously, I don't, like, why call him Vito Corleone? Like, yeah, Vito Andalini. That's his name. Corleone is easy to say, apparently. I mean, I would argue it's definitely not. Andalini, Corleone. They both have the same amount of syllables. Yes, but I mean, we're going to see... Uh, very shortly, um, you know, Corleone being mispronounced here. To Corleone, which has less syllables. Mm. Maybe that's why they changed it. Nobody looks out and sees the Statue of Liberty, obviously, because this is America. Yes. And we get Vita Corleone, Ellis Island, 1901. Really sets the sets the time frame because the very next scene is, is grandson Anthony in Nevada in 1958. Anthony Vito Corleone at Lake Tahoe. Yeah, this is his first communion. Yeah, the only church scene in this film, I believe. I mean, there was only one church scene in Godfather, wasn't there? Was there? Yeah, the murder of the f- head of the five families. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of church in part three. I cannot remember three at all. I remember a lot of church stuff. I remember... Just when I thought I was out, out they, they pulled me, me back, back in. in. And the only reason I remember that is because of Sopranos. <laughs> That's true. I remember the end, and I remember that... Andy Garcia and and Joe Mantigliano. Is that his name? Fat Tony, isn't it? Oh, is he in it? Yeah. Oh, wow. I did not know is that. that. His last name? Uh, Joe, Joe Montagna. Ma- That's it. I was going to say yeah. Magenta. No, I think you're thinking of Joe Pantoliano. What did I say? Montaliano. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what movie they're in together? Oh, I feel like I've seen it. What? Baby's Day Out. Oh, okay. Then no. Uh, oh, I have seen it, but yeah. no, that's not what I was thinking of. <laughs> All right. So we're up to the uh, Michael portion of this uh, movie. I mean, we're at, we're at a portion now which definitely parallels the start of The Godfather 1. Yeah, but it's it's so different as well, though. Just the way everything is. like This, this doesn't feel like your traditional Italian festival going on here compared to the first one, which is just so just so raw and the way they're the way they're celebrating and dancing around where this feels more more Americanized and it feels like Michael is really catering to his business. Yeah, that's yeah. the difference. Yeah. Where in the first one, Vito puts family first mm. and business second. Whereas here, Michael puts business first and family second. And it's clear with all the wait, you know, like um, why do I have to line up to see my brother? That's that sort of stuff, yeah. you know. Like and Connie's off the rails here as well. Like Mama Corleone's like, "How about you go see your kids first? It's like, "Oh, she doesn't even have her kids with her now. She's just off doing her own thing." Yeah, yeah. I'll, I mean, how great is Merle? Merle, what a character! He's so into the, hey, Mama, give her a big. Kiss. Hey, Mama. <laughs> <laughs> she's just like, yeah, okay, okay. Oh, she's. I mean, she's she's has more screen time here than she does in the entire first Godfather. Oh, absolutely. And she's she's great. <laughs> So I love the way she flinches when he kisses yeah, her. Like, ah, what are you doing? They call me mama. Yeah. But even like even she says, like, you, as you say, like, you go see your children first, then you worry about waiting online to see Michael like everybody else. Yeah. And it's like, You Ooh. don't get special privileges here. No, it's more like you can imagine bloody, like, mama having to wait. <laughs> you know, the way she's talking, it's just like, yeah. Imagine mama waiting in line. That's disrespectful. And you know Vito would never be like that. No, of course not. It's so, all about family for him. Yeah. But we're introduced to Senator Pat Geary. 
Yeah, he makes a very weird speech here. See, at first I thought he was just a clumsy dickhead who gets his cue cards and he's, you know, spell, uh, pronounces their name wrong. Vito Colone. Vito Colone. I'm like, <laughs> really? This guy, are you going to get whacked for this? <laughs> no, he was so com- complimentary. But even here with Michael and Kay getting photos with the check, you can already see their relationship really starting to deteriorate, especially from the end of the first film. Like Kay is just so disinterested in what is happening here. She's more focused on her kids, where Michael's the one in front with the handshakes. This like this whole like you said before, this whole thing is just purely business. This is not a, a great celebration. Mm. Even though it should be, it's Anthony's first communion. But Michael is just treating it like it's an like it's a business thing. Like they're they're out in front in this little array of deck chairs just sitting there and not really paying attention to anything that's going on. Yeah. It's definitely all all about the business. And we cut to a we cut to so we've seen this facade from both Michael and Geary here. And now we're gonna see what they're really like behind the closed mm-hmm. doors where Geary is just so disrespectful. Oh. Like he has no idea what he's doing. He thinks he's so above everyone and it's so awkward and cringy to watch him do this one. I'm just like, oh mate, what are you doing? You're wrecking yourself here. Mm. And straight away, like he he tells Michael so much information. He's like, mm. oh, I know you're, you know, making a move against the trop- Tropagana. Tropagala? Against Klingman and the Tropagana? Yeah. That's what I wrote down. Okay. <laughs> so, all right. <laughs> uh, thankfully, these na- names aren't overly important as we move forward. But, yeah, like, Michael just immediately just shoots Hagen daggers. Like, fuck. Yeah. But it, but this it also shows the Geary really was, like, just, just slinging insults at him during the speech earlier. Like, he knows his full name. He even said he goes, mm. Corleone, to him. Yeah. It's like he knew exactly what he was doing. I intend to squeeze you. Oh, when he says that, it's like, <laughs> bro, stop it. I don't like your kind of people. Like, you want to make it any... And then when he starts mentioning his family. With your oily hair. <laughs> Your silk suits. <laughs> and even just the one little notion he has where he gets the little cannon on the desk and points it straight to Michael. That's just like, that's that little bit. Oh, of, how little good bit was that? Yeah. It's like, yeah. wow, mate. Yeah. I've written, well, he's going to die in this movie. <laughs> yeah, I thought, well, yeah, this guy is going to get destroyed. I don't think he does. <laughs> no, no. I, I believe that he gets his comeuppance a little bit later where they basically, they, they he gets, uh, they fake the, uh, well, they don't fake it, but they make him responsible for the prostitute's death later on. And he's basically in their pocket for eternity after that. Yeah, yeah, But I don't think he dies in this film. No, oh, well, I think that this is this is much more beneficial for Michael to have this senator oh, for clearly sure, in the back for pocket. Oh, for sure, for sure, for yeah. sure. Like, but, yeah. But it's like, this guy is just like, oh, he's saying he wants a quarter of a million plus 5% gross of all hotels. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. Michael is so cool and calm, but so menacing. You can have my answer now. Nothing. My offer is nothing. I'm like, oh, please. <laughs> Not even the fee for the gambling license, <laughs> which I would appreciate if you would put up personally. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Who's up next here? It's oh, Fredo's. Fredo's finally here. Here he is talking to Frank Pentangeli. No, it's not Pentangeli. Pentangeli. <laughs> okay, because pen, Pentangeli <laughs> doesn't sound very Italian. Were you really thinking it was Pentangeli? I wrote the name. Pro- I, I, my, you, don't, I have- you don't know, like, you can't recognize the name Frank Pentangeli? No, I, I recognize the face. They say Pentangeli a lot. Do they? Yeah. I just, I've been typing Frank. Fredo, you son of a bitch, you look great. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that voice. It's <laughs> Oh, it is a raspy voice. Um He's yeah. he's here with Willie Chichi. Yes. Is this the is this a Chichi who was uh related to the Don Chichi from earlier? No, it was Don Chichio. Okay. The vow does make a big difference. Yeah. <laughs> 
Almost like it's a different family, yeah, it does, doesn't it? Because I was, I wrote it down like, is this some sort of thing going to show up later? Like, Chichi and Chichi, I think you killed my great 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 grandfather. <laughs> yeah, he's also a bit uh, snappy. He's like, how come I can't get a meeting with Michael? What's going on here? He's a bit, uh, he's a bit annoyed at what's happened here. You can't get in to see Mikey, <laughs> Fredo. <laughs> he just, even now, he just talks about Michael like he's just. That's my little brother. It's Mikey. It's like, mate, come on. You don't know what you got yourself into here, mate. He's got me waiting in a lobby. <laughs> <laughs> it is our introduction to Johnny Ola and Al Neary. Okay. Do you know Johnny Ola? From something else? Yep. No? You do. You just don't realise oh, it's the him. actor? Yeah. Oh, i got no idea. I can't even remember what he looks like right now. That is Dominic Kianese? Kianese? Chianis? I mean, I, if you can't even pronounce his name, how am I going to... Re- it know? is Junior Soprano. No shit. Yeah. Now that name rings a bell. I was going through the cast and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, I remember that name coming up a lot. In yeah. The, uh, Sopranos I just, I, credits. I don't know how to pronounce that last name. Chinesi? Chinesi? I mean, that sounds better than anything I said. Chinesi. Oh, yeah. Better than Chinesi? Chianese? <laughs> Dominique? <laughs> wow, okay. Johnny Ola. Yeah. I mean, good on him. It makes sense. Sopranos boy in uh, in The Godfather. Yeah, I mean, of course. Is he the only one from The Sopranos in The Godfather? That I'm aware I'm sure of. a bunch of these actors popped up. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, so Michael sends Tom away for this one. By the way, Robert Duvall looks very aged compared to the first one in the film. He's, he's definitely a lot uh, balder. Balder, yeah. yeah. He is a lot balder. Which, is- which it makes me think that the hair in the first one maybe was fake. Yeah, but could it also be part of he- like them purposely making his character older? Because this is seven years later as opposed to the two. Two years later, yeah. they're filming this, and they figure seven years later, maybe you're going with a bit of a receding hairline here. So they've potentially done that on purpose. I mean, he's super you, bald Robert, in real life. Yeah, I was going to say, in real life, he, he is uh, sporting a bit of a an early bald. So maybe it was a hairpiece in the first one. Yeah, would not surprise me because for two years, yeah, it's not real. Maybe they've just now said, ah, we'll go with your real balding look because you are older. I mean, does Michael look a lot older than what he was in the first one? No. I mean, he looks older compared to, like, his first scene where he's all prim and proper, but by the end of the Godfather one, I think he looks pretty similar to how he looks now. Very interesting that when he tells Tom to leave this conversation, he doesn't want to be part of it. The first part of this conversation, you don't even see Michael and Johnny and that talking. It's just focused on Hagen Hagen in the next room. Yeah. I thought there was was some sort of significance to that, but... I mean, there's obviously that key scene later... Where it is brought up like Michael is saying to Hagen, I know I've kept you at bay with some things, but I've had to, and here's why. But we'll we'll get to that, we'll in, get to that. in part two of this podcast, Endo. That's right. Part two of part two. Yes. <gasps> but no, it's all about the great Hyman Roth. Isn't he a character, Hendo? Hyman Roth, hey? What a name. Was he? He clearly was never mentioned in the first movie. Yes, correct. Okay, so he's a brand new character purely for this movie. Yes. Okay, and he and he's he's big in Nevada. He he's uh he's all about that. Yeah, he's like the new Mo Green. It's funny they mentioned Mo Green later. I mentioned him once. Yeah. Um. Key key mention. Oh yeah, it's. <laughs> <laughs> That's where he ties into Godfather yes. Part 1. Uh, kind of a big deal, uh, this mention of Mo Green coming up. But let us we're not there yet. Um, yeah. We want to see Frank uh, try and get a little Italian song happening here with the choir, and they have got no idea what's going on. This is actually pretty funny. It's like Again, it contrasts the first movie, the first wedding, the first celebration, whatever they're doing, where it's very, very Italian. We're here, they don't even, they can't even do an Italian tune. Yeah. <laughs> 
Here comes Connie. She's uh, she's re- she's rebelling for sure. The ink on your device isn't dry yet, and you're getting married. <laughs> I, l- I love this this confrontation between the two of them. I love how he just turns like he just gives Merle the big stink eye every time he talks. Like, what are you doing here? You're not my father. Then what do you come to me for? <laughs> <laughs> I love. It. I need money. Money. <laughs> like that spoiled brat little daughter. Oh, it's... Oh. And then the way Michael speaks, this is obviously someone who always gets his way. He's like, listen, you're going to live on the estate with us. Mm-hmm. I don't know Merle, but he'll understand. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> Merle's just sitting there like, huh? What? Even when he's like, you marry this man, you'll disappoint me. It's like, oh! That's that's more that's more menacing than anything else he could have said. <laughs> no, this scene is great. Um, oh yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, I mean we get more Connie later, but yeah, that's that's it for Connie in the first half of this film. We get a little bit of a family dynamic at the table later on, where just a whole bunch of shits going on here. I mean, Fredo is sitting next to this big boobed, big hair broad, and I was like, oh, who's this? You know, hooker he's got for the night. It's his wife. It's his wife. <laughs> I was like, damn, Fredo, what are you doing? Well, she causes a bit of a scene later on, but also Frank causes a bit of a scene here too when he's trying to talk to Michael and spills the wine everywhere. And you can see Michael's frustration on his face mm. when he's just trying to sit there and have a good time, but everyone's just stuffing it all up. Yep, yep. But uh, Deanna, which is Fredo's wife. Yes. I'm not sure if they say her name in the film. Uh, if they did, I didn't catch it. Yeah. Uh, no, nah, she's like kissing another guy. Yeah. She's not just dancing. Like, dancing is socially acceptable. She's she's all over this guy. And Fredo is just so weak. Oh, I love it. I love it because I'm not sure if it's Hagen or someone else. They come over and it's just like, listen, if you can't control her, Michael says we have to. Oh, I think it's one of the, I just think it's one of the goons. And there. then, and then Fredo's, I love Fredo. He's like, yeah, can you? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Because she's just, she's a hothead and she, you know. Has a go at him, and he just can't do anything about it. Yeah, and like you see this dynamic here, and it's great. Like the the, you know, the brotherhood of Michael and Fredo. Their relationship is just oh, it's so fascinating. But here, like Fredo's just, oh, I'm sorry, Mikey. You're my brother. You don't have to apologize to me. Like he's kind. You yeah. know, it's I like seeing Michael when he's being decent, because it's so rare. I mean, he's incredibly decent to Fredo through at least this entire first half. Yeah. Barring, you know, one kiss. Mm. So Frank finally gets his meeting with Michael. Yeah. And here's where we get a bit more of a bit more of the story at the moment. We get some mention of the Rosado brothers. He's obviously having some beef with the Rosado brothers. Yeah, and I like the callback to Godfather One. It's like, well, Clemenza, who's, you know, a big character in Godfather One. Yeah. She's like, he's had a heart attack. Yeah. He's promised me this. So I'm coming to get what I was promised. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> You know, Frankie feels cheated. The Rosado brothers are giving him hell. And he's, he's, he's Frank says something about, you know, I've got to take care of my family. Michael's just like, your family is still called Colleone. Yeah. It's like, ooh. That's right. You're still under my banner still, all right? And he, don't, he can't do anything about it because he's in business with Hyman Roth and the Rosado brothers are part of this. So mm. it can't happen. He has to just uh, stay put. Yeah. Frank wants the Rosados and Hyman Roth dead. Yeah. He like just flat out is just like, I want them dead. Like, no, nah, not going to happen. Michael is very firm with that. And finally, it's what are we like half an hour into this movie already? And this is our first conversation between Mike and Kay. Yeah. 
after a nice little dance here. I love how they bring that back in the uh, from the first film when she said, "You said that in five years you would be a le- Corleone would be a legitimate family business. Seven years now." <laughs> so, Ooh. But his response here, like it sounds. Tr- oh, he's, yeah, he sounds genuine. He sounds so apologetic. He sounds so sad. Like even I didn't mention him, but even that first shot that we open with of Michael, he looks sad. Like this is not someone who's enjoying life like Vito was. This yeah, is never. Do, when does he smile in this movie? Uh, Ever? I, I mean, maybe when he sees the kids later on, but it's I don't know. Like he's, you know, it's like this business. This 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 Godfather is a burden on him. Yeah, but. But it's what he does. Yeah. Like it's not like he ever wants out. Like he. But can he get out? I mean, he can't get out. But yeah. you know, because they keep is... pulling him back in. <laughs> um, but no, like I mean, yeah. When she says that, and he's just like, "I know, I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying. Da- I'm trying, darling." It's like, oh, Michael. But I love the like Kay here. I think Diane Keaton is incredible in this film. Um, and when he's just like, "Oh, has a baby? Does it feel like a boy?" She's like, "Yes." Yes, it does, Michael. Yeah, she's so tuned out. She's like robotic. Yeah. She's so emotionless here with him. And oh. I think that really started the moment he lied to her in that at the end of that first movie. Yeah. Yeah. But it's all nice and calm. They're going to bed now. Michael, why are the drapes open? See, I forgot about this. Oh, what? Yeah. And it was like the half a second before it happened, I'm like, okay, fine. And I went, I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> Because it's like it was so weird. She's like, "Why are the drapes open?" And it was just like uh, just a long shot of him looking there. I'm like, "Oh god!" I, I, uh, I was like, "Sniper!" Yeah, and then, sniper. I thought it was a sniper. I mean, they should have had a sniper. Yeah, yeah. and then the, and it just went, and it kind of gave me a little shot. Like, oh shit! Yeah, yeah. So that was really good. <laughs> it was really good. Yeah. And Michael, like, he just pulls Kay off the bed. Yeah. Covers her with his body. Good for him. We've got a man hunted night here. Yeah. Keep them alive. <laughs> we'll try. Rocco, alive. <laughs> <laughs> So how do you keep these people alive? Come on. We had a nice conversation here between Tom and Michael. Yes. This is, this is really good. Yeah. Because like, we haven't had a, a really, like a really like intimate sort of conversation with these two. I mean, you were talking before about does it come back that Hagen's out of that conversation. Like maybe it's here. Maybe because, you know, Michael's just saying, listen, there's a lot I can't tell you because I admire you, because I love you. Um, but because of this, because I've kept you at bay, you are like a hundred percent now the only person I can trust yeah, because absolutely. I haven't shared like certain elements of the business. That's very true. Yeah, yeah. He's telling me that Fredo's weak. There's no way he could take over. Like Tom will be the Don after this. I mean, not like right now. He's oh, like, yeah, yeah, sorry. He's yeah, like, yeah. I'm going. You're you are, the Don. Yeah, you're the Don. Yeah, yeah. He can't. He can't trust anyone else. Like everyone else is a businessman. Yeah. Like they all have legitimate reasons to take out Michael. Yeah. And Michael's saying it was someone close to them, and they find the two bodies. And I love this bit. And I don't think I picked up on this before, where Deanna comes out screaming, and she's like, "Oh, they're right outside my window." And I'm like, "You mean Fredo's window?" Yeah. <laughs> I was like, hmm. <laughs> but uh Great ending to the uh, first Michael part. Yeah, when he comes in to see Anthony. I love how Anthony's like, you know, maybe, maybe I can help you, Dad. And he's like, someday you will. Someday you will. Yeah, which is exactly what Vito would not have said to Michael Yeah, at a young age. Well, we get Vito saying to Michael in the first one, I never wanted this for you. Yeah, exactly. And it's like the, the huge contrast here where Michael is basically starting to groom him to become... The Godfather. Yeah, like, and from memory, and again, I don't remember part three very well. I'm pretty sure Anthony hates Michael and oh, is really? and is like very into the arts. Uh, I and- think that that may ring true because I do. I think the last scene they're coming out of an opera or something like that. Mm. But he's a fade back into 1917. Ah, what a movie! We have a, oh god, <laughs> and the whole Vito shot is a one take. Oh. <laughs> 
You looked at me like, what? I just scrambled to my notes like, wait, is this possible? <laughs> uh, yeah. Baby, uh, baby Sonny. We've got Baby Sonny and we've got Baby De Niro here because, man, he looks young in this movie. Have you seen Main Streets? Yeah, but I just I don't remember that enough to like remember the face. Okay. Yeah. Like the, I just think of like older De Niro now. Yeah, okay. like like 90s De Niro, like so Goodfellas De Niro. Yeah, that's the face I picture when I see De Niro. But in fairness, in Goodfellas, they do age him up a lot by the end of the film. But yeah, yeah, I love De Niro's raspy voice here that all that Brando also had as his character of Vito. I mean, I yeah. can't do, how's I can't it, do how's it go? because he's speaking Italian. <laughs> I just realised that. I realised it can't be like. Well, then De Niro was like. To you, she is beautiful. To me, there is only my wife and son. So, do you know the name of this guy, his friend here? No, this is not Clemenza, so no. No, it's Genko. Genko, okay. Do you know the sig- Did I write Genko here? I don't think I did. Do you know the significance of Genko? Is, did he play a large portion in the first movie? Genko is the name of the olive oil company they open in this film. Genko wow. Olive Oil. Well, there you go. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I thought so. It's all connected. I love it. Like family. We have the Don here, Don Fanucci. Yeah. Known as the Black Hand. Yeah, in a white suit. He's I very, mean, he stands out. He's very, very pimp here. <laughs> he is. Uh, yeah, but they go backstage to look at, God, I don't know this girl's name. Whoever his, whoever Genko's lusting after on yeah. stage. And it's all over the place. You're like, Fanucci's definitely threatening the girl, threatening the dad. Yeah. And Genko here, he just- Come on, we got to go. Yeah, he, he pulls it out. And Vito, because he's new, he's obviously mm. new to this, he's like, what what's going on? Yeah. He's like, hold on. This guy's like doing this to your, your woman? It's like, you're really going to go? It's like, yeah, come on. Believe me. Oh, Vito here working at the market. Yeah. The grocer. He's just living a simple life here. He's just, you know, he's got his wife. He's got his kid. He's got his job. He's going out to see some plays. He's just having a good time, old Vito here. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. No, he's not He's not in any of this uh, funny business yet. Until. Whatsoever. Well, Clemenza comes and throws a couple of guns his way. As played by the wonderful Bruno Kirby. What do you know Bruno Kirby from? God, is he from The Sopranos? Do you actually not know the name Bruno Kirby? It sounds familiar, but I could not tell you why. Okay. The reason I know him so well is because he's Billy Crystal's best friend in When Harry Met Sally. Nope. Next. Uh, He's one of the main ones in City Slickers. Next. You haven't seen City Slickers? Yeah, I have, but it was like 25 years ago. He's in Sleepers. Next. Good Morning Vietnam. Next. What about... Come on. You've got to know Donnie Brasco. Plays Nick... Oh, come... Really? He is, hold on, Basketball Diaries. You seen Basketball Diaries? Yeah, but next. He is the coach. Nope. He's nope. a sport coach in that. Nope. You've seen him a lot. Yeah, but not in films that I remember, a, like, a great deal. Okay. I mean, Bruno Kirby's great. I was sad to see he actually died um, very early. In 2006, he was 57. God, you know what I know him from? What? An episode of Entourage. Oh, really? He plays Phil Rubenstein. Ah, yep. Yeah. Oh, my the- God. Yep. Yeah, I remember that episode with the Shrek doll. Wow. Okay. See, I look at the face now, and I definitely- I yeah, know that, you I know, know that him. Voice. It's a squeakyish voice. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I know him from, for sure. Oh, I mean, I'm glad you now know who he is, because he's-, he's- Yep. Yeah, okay. And now, Donnie Brasco's coming back to me. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, okay. There we go. I just need to look at the face again. Okay. But no, he throws Vito a package, and of course, Vito immediately opens it, as if you wouldn't. Of course you got to open it. Yeah. But we go to Vito at work now, and I do feel for him because Venucci comes in, he's like speaking to the boss, like, hey, you got to hire my, I don't know, nephew, nephew, I guess. Yeah. 
And then the boss, he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. And Vito works it out. He, like, he basically explains to him, like, yep. Yeah, you, you he's know. so gracious. Yeah. I mean, what's he going to do? Like, have a, have a go and snap some shit it's and throw it like, around? You looked after me like a father. I won't forget it. He's all about, I love it, he's all about the favors. Yes. All about the favors from, and like, nothing else. It's like, listen. I, no, I I won't forget this. You know, I owe you a favor. That's yeah. fine. He's a class act, this Vito, from the get-go. Yeah. And he, oh, I love this as well. He refuses this massive package of goods, right? Yep. And then we immediately see him buy one pair and take it home and put it on the table. And it's like, oh, wow, what a, like what a gift. It's it's so... Wow. It's 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 kind of crazy to see like this one pair gives them so much joy. Like, yeah. whoa, yeah. this is amazing. Yeah. But now, Clemenza comes back. <laughs> so, hey, thanks for helping me out. Why don't I, uh, would you like a rug to, uh, as a, as a oh, token this is of my so appreciation? So, yeah, yeah, a friend of mine is getting rid of a rug. Yeah, I'll, I'll, you can have it. So, uh, again, like I said, I don't remember too much about this movie. I realized what was going on when he's at the door. like, oh, he's not here. Why don't I just see if uh, we can go son of a bitch isn't home. And I'm like, oh, they're stealing this thing. A spit, a spit. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> yeah, so he's helping him uh, try and take the rug here, and uh, it looks like a cop shows up to the place. Oh, this shot here. I love yeah. this shot where he's, you see the cop peering in through like the thin curtain blind, yeah, whatever it right is. Behind, he's right and behind he's the wall. And he's got the gun. It's like, wow, that's that's a that's a great looking shot. Like, it really is. Yeah, it's really, really good. And it ends with Vito having a little muck around with Sonny on the ground there as it fades back into Michael's, the time of Michael once again. So that Vito, that whole Vito scene. Was it 10 minutes? It's it's all it's all good. <laughs> it's all happy and joyful. Like compared to what's happened with Michael. Yeah. It's just it's just just all bad. All bad. And and you've Vito who's just appreciating life and over this, over the simple thing as a pair, and it ends with him just, at, you know, at a, a high point in his life where he's just watching his son have a crawl around on the ground. Now you get to Michael, who's uh, off to visit Hyman Roth. Yes, Hyman. There's a name that never really caught on, eh? I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, guess it was uh... something about being broke. Yeah, it didn't really break into society. I did hear all, or... I did hear all the Hymans <laughs> went bankrupt. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I love that like Michael is so like business like and here's this very serious meeting and he goes up to the house and was like, Hey, come inside, you want to chew a sandwich? No, thank you. What the fuck? No, Hyman Roth. What do you make of Hyman Roth here? I mean, he's all right so far. From this first scene, he's, I couldn't really tell exactly who was out to get him at this point. Like, yeah. Was Hyman Roth with him and was it actually Frank who was setting up to kill him? Yep. Obviously, you find out very very quickly that he is the one set up, the, he is the one who's out to get him. Hmm. So, I don't know. The conversation here is very businesslike. Hyman is just lounging about. Like, he's not very prim and proper. He's like leaning back on his chair. He's so casual. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like, he continues. He's generally casual throughout this whole film. He continues watching the game. Even when Michael comes yeah. in. So you sort of think like, okay, let's say this was the man who planned his murder and it failed and this guy is now in your house. You'd be more on edge. He is so calm. It shows his status to Michael as well. Like, Hyman Roth is, is the bigger dude yeah. in, in the relationship here. Like, basically, Michael works for Hyman Roth at this point. Yeah. And it's like Michael's plan here is great to say, you know, listen, I know it was Pentangeli. Um you know, Pen- he wants Pen- he wants jelly. he wants to have the Rosado brothers killed. You know, blah 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 blah. And he's and Michael's yeah, he, just he like use, he uses that as a reason for saying that. Like he know he knows that Frank wants the Rosado brothers killed. Yeah. So he uses that as the reason why. Yeah. But he goes back to Frank and uh, tells him 
Yeah, I know it was Hummer Roth tried to kill me. And this is, but like you think of the difference in the scenes here. Like in one, it's oh, Michael yeah. going to the house and it's super casual. And in the other, like he's Frank Frank comes home and it's like, oh, Michael's waiting for you. And he's like, oh my God, oh my God, um, okay. And he's like checking his hair and he walks in and Michael's just like standing at, in the room just quietly. Yeah. And and I mean this is this isn't my excellent, but I love this so much. Michael well, just yelling square in his face. Yeah, and oh, I wish you told me. I didn't know you'd come in my home, <laughs> in my bedroom where my wife sleeps and my children play with their toys in my home. I love it. Yeah, because it, it, it just because he goes from zero to a hundred just like yeah. that. But so like you said, it shows the contrast of how he reacts to someone like a Hyman Roth, who is his you know business partner or the person he's you know trying to work for, mm. as opposed to Frank, who he is in control of and he mm. dictates what's going on. Mm. You see, like the yeah the uh, the difference in power that he has in both cases. In both cases, yeah. And like Frank's immediate reaction is like, all right, let's kill them all while we've got the muscle. Let's kill them all. Mm. And he's like, no, no, no. no Keep you your do. friends close. But your enemy's closer. That's where that comes from. It's great. Tells him to set up a meeting with the Rosado brothers. Yep. And it's good, though, because he's saying this like, yeah, we can have them killed, but we need to know who the traitor was inside. Yeah. Like, we don't know everything yet, and the way we learn it all is by keeping close to Hyman. Exactly. And this is where we get the... Uh... The reveal, which yeah. I didn't realize this was so quick. Mm. I thought I thought the, oh, it was Fredo, was a big... Thing that like was played out for this film, and and, and you know what, I I I did not remember how Michael found out it was Fredo, so I was very curious at that point. I'm like, oh, what is he? What what happens to give that away? I'm, yeah, yeah, that reveals. Awesome but this too. bit here, because it's like, oh, we need to find out who the traitor is, and then it cuts to Fredo in bed. Yep. And I was I was already writing like, oh, foreshadowing, you know, when you know it's Fredo, and, the, and it literally is a phone call, and he's like, oh, I, you know, it wasn't supposed to happen like that. Uh, wrong number. Go away. Yeah. Prank call, prank call, prank call, prank call. <laughs> yeah, so Frank goes to the Rosado brothers here. Yep. Oh, he, I thought he was gone. I thought it was the end of him. Yeah. I oh, that. like I thought he was dead. I'm glad they show that quick shot of him still breathing at the end of this at the end of this bit where he gets he gets strangled and they give him the old Michael Corleone says hello. It's like setting him up, eh? Yeah, nah. It it is good that you do see him having it, those few breaths there. Um, I mean, this is, this is sloppy. This whole thing is super sloppy. I mean, is it though? I mean, it's sloppy from the Rosado brothers' point of view, I guess. But yeah, that's what I mean. But I think once once you get the full picture and like because this hit was stopped by a cop coming in. Yeah. Right? Now, I think it works much better if Hyman Roth has actually planned for this cop to walk in at this point. So, like, why else? Why else does one of the Rosado brothers say, Michael Corleone says hello if they're actually going to kill him here? Like, they need something to interrupt them so that Frank can survive, get picked up by the cops, and then get turned to testify against Michael. Like, it's genius. It's genius from Roth. So, do you think that Roth gets that cop to come in? I mean, I think for sure. Like, I know they never, like, out and out say it in this film, but I really do think it makes the film make more sense and makes Hyman Roth a smarter adversary to Michael if you watch this and say, okay, Hyman Roth has not only set up this, you know, this fake hit, but he set up the thing that's going to interrupt them. Because otherwise, I just don't see why. Why are they saying Michael Corleone says hello? Do you think we should have had a quick scene later on of Hyman Roth like paying off the cop or some shit? I mean, I don't think it was necessary. Like it's. I mean, yeah, yeah, you do understand what the what you is understand going on that here. you know. Like I know, I know Michael told um, 
I'm at all. All right, we'll have Frank killed, but you know, it's so unnecessary. Like without yeah. without the Michael Corleone says hello, Frank in Frank's mind, he could just think be thinking, well, I've already got existing beef with the Rosados and yeah, Hyman. Exactly. That's why they're killing me, not Michael is has put a put a hit out on me. Senator Pacquiao is back here. He's in a bit of strife. <laughs> yeah, is he ever? I mean, this is this is a massive setup, obviously. Oh, of course. I spe- <laughs> I don't even think you need the shot where the guy is still in the room and and Hagen's like, "Get out, get out!" Like we know what's happened here. Yeah, yeah. But I think I think the thing that sort of got me, like, he's like, "Oh, I don't remember," um, you know. But then he he does say like, "Oh, we've done this sort of thing before." It's like, yeah, okay. Yeah, so well, he's, he's into some weird shit anyway. But, you know, uh, <laughs> Agen's so good, though. He's just like, oh, you're so lucky it happened in Fredo's place. <laughs> hmm. I mean, kind of wouldn't have happened anywhere else. <laughs> Poor Kay, not allowed off the property here. Just wants to go out and just uh, do some shopping. Get out of the place. No. no. You feel for her. She is, she is a prisoner. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, I love how I love Tom's reaction. He's like, that's not the way we see it, Kay. That's not the way we want to see it, Kay. Yeah. He's just trying to, you know, he's just trying to bring it all down. Now we're in Havana. Do you know where Havana is? Cuba? Yeah. Hmm. I didn't. I had to look. <laughs> I had to look that up. He's sitting at a table here with a bunch of names I didn't even bother writing down. Do I need to remember those people? No, I don't. No, I don't I, think so. No, no. <laughs> he's like, we're here sitting with sir, such a... I'm like, I, I don't care. All I know is that Hyman Roth is right across the other side of the table. Yes. Yes. Is there any significance to this gold phone that they're passing around? I think it's more a, a symbol of power rather than anything else. There's a, lot of, fu- there's a lot of eyeballs between Roth and Corleone here as, as the as the phone's getting passed around. I thought maybe that had some significance to it, but I was waiting to see like both of them just don't even even look at it. They're like it passes them like, yeah, yeah, move on. Like I'm not mm-hmm. even interested in this thing. I'm listening to everything that's going on. Yeah. But they seem pretty interested in it. Yeah, people like it. Um but no, like I mean, this is good because, like, publicly, Roth is saying when he dies, and the way he's talking, he's going to die soon, or even retirement. Is this with the birthday cake. Um, all the casino stuff goes to Michael. Yeah. Yeah. See, just before that, you also get that shot of them held up in the traffic because of the protesters and the the yep. bomber jumps in the car and yep. blows up, which I thought was like, holy shit! Like that was fucking crazy. Yeah. But even when you said just before about how you got Hymeroth talking about who's going to take over, there's so much emphasis on this cake. Like, it's like no one's even paying attention to what he's saying, and it's just close-ups of the cake and each slice giving to every different person. Like, I was I was bored into that. I'm sitting there going, hey, do, am I with Michael here? Am I, like, freaking out that he's going to be poisoned or something? Like, he gets a piece of cake, and he's waiting for other people to eat the cake first. Like, he gets an early slice of the cake. An yeah, early still, slice? Yeah, an early slice. It's the best kind of slice. No, I hate the early slice. Really? Yeah, because by the time cut. I've eaten, because by the time I've finished it, people are still getting their first slice, and I'm looking at the thing like, how long do I have to wait before I get a second slice here? <laughs> Some you might- people haven't had their first slice. <laughs> no, you want to get the first slice because if you finish first, you'll get the second slice before others. You wait for the last slice. There's, yeah. there's like a, a less than ten percent chance you're getting a second slice. Eh, don't know about that. <laughs> no, you. <laughs> like, one go. Whoop. <laughs> Uh, no, nah, but you talk about the the gorillas on the Cuban streets. Uh, I mean, there's, you know, Michael brings this up with Roth, saying that you know they have they have a chance because mm. you know it's soldiers against gorillas and the gorillas aren't being paid. Yeah, they do it on for reasons that aren't financial, which gives them more of a chance to win, basically. But we get our first mention of this two million dollars here. Yeah. What does he mention that they never made it? Never made it to the island. Yeah, because Michael was meant to come to Cuba with two million dollars. Yeah. to give to the president of Cuba. He says he it's because he's scared of all the rebels. Yeah. Now, do you think he's just saying that as a ploy because he knows he's not going to fully do business with Hyman Roth? He's he's intending to kill him. Yeah, 
I he, think he's he, not going to give him two million dollars. Yeah, I think he wants to kill him before he gives him two million dollars. Yeah, so he's definitely using this whole. Oh, like I'm scared of the whole gorillas rebel situation that he just didn't feel too comfortable with it. I mean, it's a good excuse. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, I'm not sure Roth enjoys the excuse. No, he does not. In comes Fredo. He's here. You just see Michael. He's got the two mil. Yeah, I mean, he's so nervous when he gets out of the car. And the guy is like, he tries to take, take it. He's like, no, don't touch my briefcase. But it shows that Michael does trust Fredo oh, at this 100%. point. Hundred percent. Yeah, and he's he's the start of the slip where Fredo mentions that he, he's never he he doesn't know who Johnny Ola or Hyman Roth is. He's like, ah, I, I, I've never met them before. Is that a slip? Yeah, because he tells him he hasn't met them, and then he slips up later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But him telling them he hasn't met them, I don't think is a slip. I mean, he's lying here. Like, what? What's the harm in saying oh, I? I've met Johnny Ol before, like ages ago, like once, once upon a time. Yeah, I don't know, but Michael definitely pays big attention to this. Yeah, I've uh, never met them. Awkward silence. <laughs> hmm. They go out for a bit of bit of lunch, bit of drinks here. Yeah, and they they bond here. Yeah, it's you nice. Know, they talk about you know like how Fredo says he wished he'd been more like Pops and hmm. had better wife and kid, better wife. <laughs> Poor Deanne. Um, better wife, kids. You can see the different types in their personalities as well here. Like Michael, prim, proper, straight. He he has a soda water. Yeah. And good old party Fredo. He's got banana daiquiri. <laughs> How do you say, say banana, banana daiquiri? Banana daiquiri. But like, you know, mummy used to tease him. Say he was left on the doorstep by gypsies. Like yeah. he's been picked on his he's, whole life. He's the outcast of the, of the family here. But, you know, and then... Fredo, I think he legitimately regrets at this point after spending this nice lunch with oh, Michael. Yeah. He regrets what he's done in talking with Ola and Rob. I here. think he regrets it prior to yeah, this. Yeah, probably immediately. Yeah. But, but he's just like, Michael, I was mad at you. Why didn't we spend t- time like this together before? Yeah. It's like, uh, careful what you're saying there, Fredo. <laughs> <laughs> but, but Michael, yeah, like, Michael, he confides he, in him. He tells him everything. He, he knows he's going to be assassinated on New Year's Eve as he's leaving the party, yeah. and he's going to he's going to get the jump on Roth. Yeah, like New Year's Eve, that's that night. Yeah. Like tonight, this is what's going to happen. And here's the uh, Mo Green conversation we spoke about before. Yeah, it's a it's a good conversation. Like it's a good it's a good monologue from Hyman Roth, the the actor who played Hyman Roth, Lee Strasberg. That's right. Thank you for not making me not go on my notes again. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, it. I mean, it's great. It's easily my favourite um, Hyman Roth scene yeah. where, yeah, he's just like saying about how much Mo Green was just, you know. He was the guy. An inspiration. Yeah. They don't even have a plaque. <laughs> it's good that, you know, that scene really ties into the relationship here with Hyman Roth and, you know, what, like a big a big chunk of why Hyman Roth is the way he is. Yeah. Like it, like you talk about Francis Ford Coppola trying to interconnect these movies. He's a big one. Yeah. And like he, this conversation, he, he brings up this anecdote because Michael asks him who gave the go-ahead to have Frank killed. I know I didn't. You know, they've mentioned killing Frank last time we saw them. Oh, not last time, but in America. But he's like, who gave the go-ahead? And then he tells this big story about how much he loves Mo Green and then ends it with, I know Mo Green is headstrong, so when he turned up dead, I let it go. You know, this is the business we've chosen. I didn't ask who gave the order (laughs) because it had nothing to do with business. Which is basically him saying, I know it was you. No, uh, Do you think? Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. And this scene, like this speech is so important because- you know, it's saying that he knows it's Michael. It's also giving Michael the motive, right? It Oh, the reason, like, what is Hyman Roth's motive? Why? Yeah. Why did he want Michael killed? And this is why. Because of the hit on Mo Green from Godfather yeah. 1. Yep. And it's brilliant. Brilliant. I love it. Yeah, Lee Strasberg is good. He is. 
And even like here, I, I like this as well. Like he's like, I'm going to nap. If I wake up and the money's on the table, I will know I have a partner. If it's not, I'll know I don't. Yeah, good little finish that little scene. Yep. But it's on to New Year's Eve, the party, and Fredo starts a slipping. Yes, he does, because he gets drunk. Yeah. Yep. Because he's so, he's, he's in his element here. This is this is him. That's <laughs> funny when it's like, uh, Fredo, uh, I don't believe you know Johnny Ola here. And it's like, and oh. looks like, oh, oh, yeah, good. <laughs> no, nice to meet you. And yep. then Michael has that little, that little, mm. like, hmm, that was a bit weird. That was weird. Yeah. And then, yeah, Geary asks how Fredo found the place. Ah, uh, Johnny Ola bought me here. He knows these places like the back of his hand. <laughs> Old man Roth won't come in. And it's like, fucking Alfredo. You dumb shit. Like, <sighs> and just the look, yeah, the look on Michael's face. Like, he just, he like, he puts his face into his hands. Like, oh, my God. Like, he just, like, it's it's awful for him. Yeah. It's like, holy shit, it was Fredo. Yep. The one I've confided in, my brother. Ugh. Yeah, it broke it his awful. heart, Hendo. It did break his heart. But uh, the bodyguard here who goes to kill uh, Johnny Ola, do you know the bodyguard's name? His little henchman. No. Busetta. Oh, I think of the actor. No, Busetta. Okay. Who shall henceforth be known as Buschetta. Well, we don't have to talk about him for very long, do we? No, we don't. No. He doesn't have much of a storyline in this. He does uh, take out Johnny Ola out in the patio. It's a good shot here of the bodyguard looking into Busetta. the room where Hyman is, and then it looks out into the room where he is, and he backs off as people walk in, like he disappears. It's, yeah. like, it's just a small little crack through the door as they come in, and then he walks past again. I, I thought that was a pretty good shot. Yep. See, and Michael here is so, he's weary of what's going on now because Fredo looks like he's going to leave the place. And Michael's like, what are you doing? Fredo, where are you going? What are you mm-hmm. doing? I'm just going to drink. Just calm down. Yep. But we go back to the hospital. Uh, he sees the military walking through the party. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yep. Uh, they're on their way. Yeah. But he, he sort of goes into the, to Roth's room and they walk in and he's got a pillow over his face. Like, just shoot him. Just shoot him. Do they, no, but they need to make a, do they need to make it look like it's an accident? Like he died of natural causes? I mean, I guess, but at this point, like, you know, you know there's heat. I mean, if, he, if he's killed Johnny Ola. I mean, if there's heat him, around like, the corner, you got to be ready to, to go. Look, oh, man, the shock look on his face. He was like, he's like, Fuck, that's it. Yep. <laughs> Couple through the chest, one through the head, he's done. And yeah, they're celebrating, they, they, you know, the countdown, New Year's Eve. and You get one of the most iconic lines. <sighs> just just the aggressive, the, the, the aggressive grab. Sma- yeah, the smack on the back of the head as he yep. pulls him in. Yeah. I know it was you, Fredo. You broke my heart. You broke my heart. And Fredo, just the look on his face is like... Fuck. Yeah. He just yep. he's trying to pull him off and runs away. And and you can see straight after this, Michael sort of you know snaps out of it a bit and he's like, Oh no, no, no Fredo, come back. Yeah. Yeah. You're and still he, my he, brother, Fredo. And he's yelling at him on the road. Roth is dead. <laughs> <laughs> like, shut up, Michael. <laughs> uh, yep. Nah, Cuban streets. Madness. Yeah, pretty crazy. But nah, we're back to America where Michael will relieve Don Hagen of his duties. Yes. A little bit of info here. Oh, this scene's so good as well. And this scene, I think, parallels so much the scene where Tom goes and sees Vito when Vito's sort of waking up and he's got a... And Sonny's been killed. No, Vito's not waking up. Like, no, Vito goes to see Tom. Okay, Vito goes to see Tom. Vito and Tom are talking. Yeah. And Vito's just like, oh, what's going on? And Tom doesn't want to tell him. I see everyone's here. It's it's sunny. Yeah. Well, you've had your drink. Yeah. And the reaction to this this horrible news is Vito just immediately says in part one, I want there to be no more bloodshed. I want to organize a meeting. We need to end this. Whereas here, you know, like Michael's just like, uh, (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah, what's going on? And Hagen's just like, Kay had a miscarriage. She lost her baby. And he's just like, was it a boy? 
Michael, after three and a half, why can't you give me a straight answer anymore? <laughs> Was it a boy? Uh, the the difference in emotion between Vito and Michael is just yeah. it's day and night. Yeah, and Hagen's like, gee, I, I honestly don't know. Yeah, like, she's come down. Fucking hell, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Man, so good. Angry Pacino is just the best. Oh yeah. Oh. And even at this point, he's still he's still trying to get hold of Fredo as well. He's like, yeah. just tell him, I just want him back. He's my brother. That's it. Yeah, find him. And then, uh, yeah, we're gonna fade into Vito next week. Yes, we are. Now, interestingly, there is a hard intermission in this film. Okay, that comes up. But I, I, I really did feel that this. All right, we've barely seen Vito. Let Let's cut it off here. It's yeah. almost exactly halfway through the movie yeah. as well. It's halfway exactly through my notes as well, so I think this is a good stopping point for us, Hendo. Sounds good to me, mate. All right, that's going to do it for this first half of the breakdown. Thank you very much for checking it out, and we'll see you next week for the second half of our breakdown of The Godfather Part 2. Bye! Bye.